You're watching Reason and Theology Live, a show dedicated to charitable discussions, debates, interviews, commentary, and analysis. And now, your host, Michael Lofton. We're back, everybody. Your host, Michael, on a Monday evening. Got Ch Catholic Truth in the building. How are you, sir? We're great. Thank you for having us. How are you doing? Doing good. Doing good. Excited to have you. We uh, had you on about a month ago. Is that right? Yeah, I was. Yeah. Yeah. So we. Uh, I'm trying to think what we were discussing in that one. We were discussing uh, apologetics for atheism, agnosticism, ah, yeah. uh, proof and, for the existence of God, all of that sort book. of thing. Yeah. So everybody go and check it out. I'll um, make sure to put a link to it there in the description. Yeah. So that was on your book. I recall that. Yeah. <laughs> that was a really fun one, but we're doing with this one something a little bit different. Not engaging atheists. We are engaging Protestants. And this is a person that I used to follow and admire, Ray Comfort, many, many years ago. Uh, I used to listen to Way of the Master Radio uh, back when Todd Friel was hosting it. And oh, would always goodness. have, yeah, <laughs> <and> would always, <laughs> he would always have Ray Comfort on, of course. Uh, and then Kirk Cameron. And then it became uh, Wretched Radio, or at least Todd Friel kind of did his Wretched Radio thing, and Way of the Master still has its its own thing. So, yeah, I used to be really big into them, and I, I really bought into a lot of what Ray Comfort says, and I even bought into what he was saying about Catholicism. So it's going to be interesting responding to and reviewing one of his videos, which you selected. I have not watched it yet, however. Uh, so it will be a first impression review for me, which I always find enjoyable, you know, kind of seeing it for the first time and you get my initial reaction. So what we'll do is we will in a moment play clips um, that Brian has selected <clears throat> and we will watch those timestamps and review them. Uh, but. Did you have any introductory remarks that you wanted to offer about the video or what we're doing here? Good old Ray Comfort. <laughs> you know, we, we made, uh, I think, four, maybe five videos on Ray Comfort debunking him on our Catholic Truth YouTube channel. And uh, the first one I ever made, I said, you know what? I like Ray Comfort. Overall, you know, I think he's passionate. I think mm -hmm. he cares for souls. Right. I think, you know, he has a good heart. But the more I watched his videos, I realized either this guy is incredibly devious and, you know, deceptive and he's really just pretending or he's really just not intellectually um, studied. He doesn't know that much except his little share of the gospel that he shares with everyone, repeating the same things. But outside of that, he doesn't know too much. And so it's really frustrating. In fact, in our last one, I let him have it for his complete misrepresentation of Catholicism so much so and everyone started posting it on living waters wall that they actually came to our channel and apologized on my video for misrepresenting the faith and saying what they said and you know which was nice but then right after that came this little ditty which is worse than that one ever was and it, this, <laughs> this one that we're going to be doing tonight is just full of 
like sophomoric errors, fallacious reasoning, and things that I don't think he's ever researched. And uh, so it's very interesting. You know, the title of the video is called um, This Will Make You Think Differently About Catholicism. And then he goes into basically lie about Catholicism. That's like me saying, oh, I'm going to make a video on Ray Comfort and how he's cheating on his wife. And I'm going to share it all over the internet. And many people, not everybody, no one's, not everyone's going to believe that, but many people might. And then, you know what? That's going to change their perception of him, him, even though the information is inaccurate and I made it up and it's not true. That's in a sense what he's doing about Catholicism. Sure, he may change people's outlook on it, but the things he says in the video, as we're going to see, they're not true. I can only imagine what we're about to watch because <laughs> I recall again, a lot of his arguments and um, I know he and Todd Frio are cut from the same cloth. And I remember uh, Frio's, some of Frio's arguments against Catholicism, which um, he refused to engage with me um, whenever I tried to push him on some of his claims. Um, for him, it seems like, well, look, you you reject sola fide, so that's the end of the discussion. And and even on that, the idea of sola fide and what it is that we're rejecting, I don't think he's clear about. So again, I can only imagine what we're about to see from Ray, but we're about to make that imagination reality, starting with the 35-second mark from about 35 seconds to 156 um of the video that brian just referenced let me pull it up and share my screen i uh, should be able to see it now let me move the banner okay all right so are you able to see it i can all right let me know if you cannot hear it as soon as i i, I hit play um all right let's go ahead and begin you can find everlasting life and if you watch our videos, you'll know that I stay with the gospel. Very rarely do I talk about the fact that the Pope prays to Mary. Oh, Maria, sotto la tua protezione, cerchiamo rifugio, Santa Madre di Dio, e liberaci da ogni pericolo, o Vergine gloriosa e benedetta. Very rarely do I bring up the fact that according to the New Testament, Mary had at least six other children, which means that she was no longer a virgin. Is this not the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary? So typical. And his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? And his sisters, are they not all with us? Mary said, My soul exalts the Lord. My spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. The reason she rejoices is because God has sent my savior she says she rejoiced in god her savior <clears throat> may come as a surprise to many people but mary knew she needed a savior because she was a sinner and she knew it okay so first let me maybe just throw some comments and yeah please do here. so first this idea of mary needing a savior she's clearly quoting from anna um in the old testament and the concept here of savior that they're referencing is that god would bring a child to a barren woman um so that's the context of savior here. It's not necessarily one of salvation from sin. 
but it's more salvation from barrenness, if you will. Um, that that doesn't mean that salvation is not used for salvation from personal sin and stuff like that in the New Testament. It just means that this concept of salvation is multifaceted in the New Testament, and you can't read the same exact concept into every one of its uses in the New Testament. That just won't won't work. You have to read things contextually. And again, she's hearkening back to um, uh, for Samuel. And there is this idea of being barren, and yet God is bringing a child miraculously. So it's the same thing here. And then I also heard something about, oh, well, it mentions the other children of Mary. No discussion whatsoever about the word that's used there, right, in relation to the word that's used for brothers. What does that actually mean? Does it mean a cousin? Does it mean a stepbrother? Does it actually mean a biological brother? No discussion. But the word's it. brother. It's they, only it's in just, English. That's all that's matters. They just, it's in English. Yeah, in English. They just kind of throw it out there like it's a slam dunk, and and no dealing with the original context and the original language. And then I think I saw like a few seconds of a video by Trent Horn where I want to say maybe he reviewed a, this clip or a similar clip from Ray I think Comfort. He might have. I, I, I saw a few minutes of it where he was saying, "Well, it's kind of like." Uh, you know, when comfort says, well, rarely do I talk about this and rarely do I talk about that. And, and and he likened it to a politician who says, you know, rarely do I talk about how my opponent over here is an adulterer. <laughs> rarely do I talk about how the fact that he was arrested for a DWI, you know, I don't talk <laughs> about these things often. It's just... <laughs> wow. Okay. Um, I'm curious to hear what, what you thought of that. What are your thoughts? Uh, I have a lot of thoughts. My first one is that this man has over a million subscribers. You would wow. think that someone with a million subscribers would be more than a hack. And I, and I really try to be charitable in all of my dealings with people, but he, it, I don't know how else to put it. He's a complete hack. Like outside of his five questions that he asks people over and over, he doesn't know anything about the Bible. He says people should get into the Bible, but he doesn't know anything about the Bible. And so I think these like sum it up perfectly. First of all, I agree with what you're saying. I just had a debate with a Protestant on my channel and we debated salvation. One of the things I said, he was trying to say, you know, if the Bible says you're saved and once you're saved, you're saved. I said, well, that's a big problem for you because the Bible uses the word saved in about five different ways. You know, mm -hmm. you could use saved in a past tense, present mm -hmm. tense, future tense. You could use mm -hmm. saved for temporal circumstances. You can use it for being saved from sin, initial justification, and eschatological uh, justification, being saved forever. I said, the Bible often uses the word saved or savior in a temporal sense. Like Peter said to Jesus, save me when he was falling into the waves and he put out his hands to Jesus, right? And uh, Matthew 27, 42, they said he can save others, but he can't save himself. And Luke mm -hmm. 1, 67 through 71, Zechariah talks about, blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has redeemed his people. And the pro he goes on to say that the prophets of old said we should be saved from our enemies. It's not talking about salvation here in Luke chapter 1. It's about God redeeming Israel and saving them from their enemies. And that's exactly what Mary's talking about in Luke chapter 1 as well. It's a temporal salvation. It's not this open confession to the world that, hey, I'm a sinner, everybody. I need a savior. No, she's mm -hmm. saying specifically 
that is a temporal salvation. And how do we know? Just read the context of the passage. It says, he scattered the proud. He put down the mighty from their thrones. He exalted the lowly. He filled the hungry. These are all the kinds of temporal salvations that's talked about in the Old Testament and New Testament. And this is exactly what Mary was talking about. Now, before I you know, let you talk, but I just want to say that we understand that Mary needs a Savior, but it doesn't mean in this passage that she was a, a sinner. That doesn't say that anywhere. Protestants are mm-hmm. so reading their Protestant theology into that. Yeah, because because you can be saved in multiple ways. You can be saved before you enter sin or afterwards, right? Um, whereas we would say the rest of us are saved after being in sin, whereas we would say the Virgin Mary is saved before entering into sin. Um, however, as you notice there, there's this idea of being saved from um, your enemies, being saved from barrenness and, and things like that, contextually with Hannah and First Samuel. So <clears throat> I think that we just have to read those things contextually, and there's not a problem here. So I would just simply say that <clears throat> this passage neither refutes the Catholic position about Mary, nor de- you know, affirms it. I mean, it's just neither. It's, it's neutral. It's just not at all relevant to the issue of the Immaculate Conception. Um, but I just love how they present it as if it's a slam dunk. <laughs> Absolutely. And it's like, I, I remember I, when I used to think this, right? I mean, I remember when I used to think that, oh, these things are just, it's that simple. It's just that easy. That settles the debate. It's just that. I remember when I used to think this until I actually had to start really engaging Catholics um, knowledgeable Catholics, not ignorant Catholics, because I know Ray Comfort and those people, they go and do these street ministries and they engage Catholics, but they tend to be very ignorant Catholics. I'm talking about engaging knowledgeable Catholics. Whenever you go and engage the best that Catholics have to offer, these arguments will not work. <laughs> Won't work. Yeah. Um, and, and, and you know what? I, as I've said before, even if Protestantism is true and Catholicism is false, this is a horrible argument to try to say that Catholicism <laughs> is, is, is wrong to invalidate it. All yeah, right. So if you don't, if you don't yeah, mind me, one more thing, because mm-hmm. um, you had mentioned before the Greek word is Adelphos and it means cousin, uncle, nearest kinsman, uh, nephew. And the Bible uses uh, these words in Hebrew and in Greek to discuss different familial relations. And I think it's important to note that if he did actual research, at the foot of the cross, there were different Marys there. And if he looks at all four Gospels and the road to Emmaus and puts them all together, he's going to realize that three of the four brothers that he quoted in that passage actually belong to different Marys, meaning mm-hmm. they're not blood brothers of Jesus as he slam dunked thought that it was. They're not actually blood brothers of Jesus. And so this, I think, destroys his whole argument. It shows that he hasn't really done deep theological research on this. Yeah, I mean, it, it could mean cousin, it could mean stepbrother. I mean, there's a very, very wide range here. So we, again, kind of have to consider contextually what exactly is it saying. And there's nothing in there that would necessitate that these are actual full-blown blood brothers, you know, in, in the fullest sense. Um, which is why you have figures in, during the Reformation, like Martin Luther, or even John Calvin, who would um, yeah. say that the, the New Testament doesn't really... Mm-hmm weigh in on the issue of whether or not the Virgin Mary uh, remained a virgin. I believe Luther said yes, and I believe Calvin just kind of said, well, the New Testament I think Calvin just doesn't say. Well, if I'm not mistaken. 
Yeah. So um again, I, I don't think it's a slam dunk, but let's let's move forward to to the uh two minute and twenty-six uh second mark of heaven and earth. Neither do I bring up the fact that the disciples were married and that Peter had a wife that used to travel with him. This is the teaching of the New Testament. Now when Jesus had come into Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother lying sick with a fever. Oh man. Or I bring up that the scriptures say, call no man father. Do not call anyone on earth your father, for one is your father, he who is in heaven. So um so I guess he doesn't call his dad father. I mean, if, if we're going to just take this hyper literally, of course, uh, I, I think that's absurd. <laughs> Plus, it presents some problems where Paul clearly refers to himself as a spiritual father uh, to people that he has spiritually begotten. And so um, you would have some problems with, him with Paul. But the the other part about Peter being married, what what is that? I mean, because in the Latin tradition, <laughs> you have a discipline of celibate priests but so what i mean even in the latin tradition they recognize that yeah peter was married and many of the early bishops were married it's just a discipline um in the latin tradition to say that priests and bishops would be celibate for eastern catholics we're gonna say that it's a discipline for bishops to be celibate but we have married presbyters and married priests so this doesn't this not only doesn't come as a surprise to us because we readily acknowledge it but it also seems like he has latin roman rite catholicism in mind and and doesn't even sufficiently understand that but it seems like he has that in mind and is just entirely oblivious to the fact that there are eastern churches in communion with rome that have married clergy <laughs> <laughs> in fact there uh -oh. are some actual married priests in the roman right they're very exceptional yeah there are yep. but you do have uh, those who some who belong to the anglican ordinariate are actually married priests in the roman right they're not even in the byzantine or eastern rites they're they're in the roman right and if i'm not mistaken you can correct me if i'm wrong but the popes don't necessarily need to be married. Nowadays, we choose from the College of Cardinals, but that wasn't always how it was. I mean, you could choose a layman pope, for example, way back in the day. So it's not unheard of that a pope could be married, you know, especially far back, right. you know, before that change. So this really doesn't disprove anything. <laughs> and, it, it doesn't, which tells me he's <laughs> arguing against a straw man because totally very technically the Catholic church today in the Roman right could reverse that discipline and say, you know what? We're going to have married bishops, married priests, and even the Pope can be married. Technically it could do that. But yeah. the question is prudentially, would that be a good idea? Do you know how busy bishops are, especially the Pope? <laughs> uh, do you know how busy they are? Uh, as Paul notes, whenever you have a family and you're trying to do ministry, you're kind of divided. When you get to the point of a bishop or especially a pope, that person needs to have their entire life fully dedicated to ministry. So that discipline makes sense. Yeah. So I have two points on this. Um, the first is he says uh, all the apostles were married. P Peter even had a wife that traveled around with him. And my question is, really? You you claim to go by the Bible. Can you show me the chapter and verse where it says all the apostles were right. married? That's right. a complete conjecture. Just because Peter was married, you've extrapolated that and said all the apostles were married right. just to make my point sound better. When in fact, none of them might have been married. We don't know. It doesn't say. Um, 
So Paul, that was problem. Yeah. And Paul actually exhorted celibacy in one Corinthians chapter seven. Mm -hmm. um, and then he says, call no man father. I feel like Protestants who don't really do a lot of research, just look down at the Bible and say, oh, it says, don't call a man father. Oh, Catholics, oh. they call men father. Oh, oh. my gosh. <laughs> or they look down at a button. You know, they don't do that for the rest of the Bible, though. Oh, Jesus said, cut out my eye if I sin. Oh, I'm just going to go get about doing that right now. No, if it makes Catholicism look bad, we'll just take it literally and don't care about context or anything else. But if it sounds weird, then okay, we'll consider it. Yeah. And, it's weird because they, I mean, these are, he claims to go by the Bible. He wants uh -huh. Catholics to go by the Bible. And yet from the beginning of the New Testament to the end of the New Testament, men are called father. I mean, James right. calls men father. Jesus does. Peter does. John does. Jesus does. Everyone does. I mean, and, and not just regular fathers, but spiritual fathers. James uh, says that, um, was not our father Abraham justified by works when he offered Isaac on, you know, as a sacrifice. And also Paul calls uh, Abraham a father in the faith six times just in Romans chapter four. So I don't know if they even know that these verses exist. And I would wonder what they would have to say if they did know that they exist. And uh, I guess the last thing I would say is uh, 1 Corinthians 28 says that there's different offices in the church. God has appointed them as apostles, prophets, teachers. The very first, ver the very next verse after don't call any man father says, don't call any man on earth your teacher. But they completely ignore that because priests aren't called fathers and you can't attack the Catholic church if you call them teachers. So they ignore that even though it's specifically using teacher in a spiritual sense. And so for all the people who say, oh, well, you can't use father in a spiritual sense. Well, you can't use it in a spirit spiritual sense for teacher either, but they are because that's not what Jesus means. I have to sincerely question a person's motives when they use these kinds of superficial surface level argumentation against Catholicism. I really have to question their motives. And the reason why is it doesn't take but five minutes to correct this kind of ignorance. <laughs> a five minute Google search would dispel this kind of ignorant you know, argumentation against Catholicism. So that tells me you did not put any effort into hearing what the other side had to say first before you leveled this critique against them, which would then tell me, are you really sincere in seeking the truth? And are you really sincere in critiquing your opponents? Mm. I'd really have to question their sincerity here. And I called um, him out on the last video. I told him he was intellectually dishonest. He's slandering another religion before God. And he's going to have to answer for God for his shoddy, intellectually dishonest research. I called him out on that. Well, this is also why we're doing it here is, is to continue to call them out. Um, and if they won't listen, at the very least, the people who watch them might listen. So. Uh, let's continue. And if you're up the, for it, mm -hmm. if you're up for it, Michael, I mean, we could uh, even invite them to a, a debate. There's three of them at, um, I believe there's three of them at, uh, living waters. I'd be happy to mm -hmm. debate all three of them with you if you'd like to, mm -hmm. you know, if they want to, I'd be up for it. That'd be fun. <laughs> um, yeah, if they're willing, um, we could start at the two minute and 50. Well, we're at 54. We'll just start right there. Yeah, that's fine. I was raised in a Catholic church. Uh, as I became an adult, I didn't feel fed, so I moved from Catholicism into uh, uh, Christianity, 
and went to a Christian church where I was fed. Did you read the? I just, I just kind of wonder. Well, what were you doing to feed yourself? I mean, <laughs> when you say you didn't feel fed, I mean, what exactly were you doing to um, make your spiritual life um, healthy? And if yeah. you don't feel fed, okay, well, what were you doing during mass? Because there's scripture being read during mass. There's a whole lot of scripture references throughout the liturgy. And that's just during mass once a week. What about during your daily prayers and during your daily readings of scripture that you're supposed to be doing? Um, what were you doing then? I mean, that should have been feeding you. So when I hear a person say, I don't really feel I was fed, what I'm hearing is a person who's saying, I didn't really get out of this whatever I wanted to get out of it, even though I'm not putting any effort into this. <laughs> what do you expect to get out if you're not putting anything into this? I mean, I I don't know. What are your thoughts? It's like me in high school. I almost flunked out, but it's not because I wasn't smart. It's because I didn't do anything. Right. <laughs> uh, and uh, But my thought is, um, like, I've had so many people leave the Catholic Church since tell me that it was because they weren't fed. And so they went to this vibrant protestant church and they were there they're like oh i finally feel fed it's so beautiful you should come join us but you should hear the music and then they're only there about three to six months and you know that mm -hmm. they weren't feeding mm -hmm. me and then they go to another church and it's like they weren't yeah. feeding me it's like yeah. they church hop from church and it really becomes about me it's all yeah. about me and what i think i should get out of it i'm not personally being fed and maybe you're not actually giving it the way you should be giving it. Mm -hmm. And the problem is with you, not with the churches that you're church hopping. And many mm -hmm. people, even on my channel, have come back to the Catholic church and said that they were those church hoppers. Cause I did a whole video on this kind of topic. And I said, it's like, yeah, it might seem like it's more fun at Protestant churches. You get to clap, you get to dance around, you get a lot of fellowship and it might seem more fun and you might feel more fed. But you know what? If you go out in the, uh, if the kids, two kids leave their parents and they go out in the backyard, they go out into a tent and they bring candy and Twinkies and all this fun stuff, that might seem like they're having more fun out there. But once it starts raining and pouring and there's a flood and all of a sudden you have to go to the bathroom a lot and there's no shower and all of these other problems start coming in, you realize that feeding is really deeper than an emotional experience that you're having temporarily. And when you realize that the Catholic Church was started by Jesus, and he fed us with the truth that the Catholic Church has preserved and passed down for 2,000 years, you can't be more fed than having the absolute truth from Christ, not to mention the sacraments, the Eucharist, and everything that Christ has given us. That is true feeding. Yeah, I mean, I think that <clears throat> some of this is subjective, right? Because if I went to their service, I would feel like I'm in purgatory. I would not feel <laughs> I, I, would, I would feel like, get me out of here. Um, <laughs> whereas when I go to the Divine Liturgy, I love it. I feel very fed, right? So that's going to be subjective. But I actually literally am fed when I receive the body and blood, soul and divinity of Christ in the Eucharist. So we can we can definitely talk about, you know, this issue of being fed. Well, are you really? Uh, what are you actually being fed? Well, what they mean by that is the, the gospel proclamation and the truth in the New Testament. But I mean, we're, we're getting that and the sacraments so and more. But again, some of this is this is just subjective. And I've noticed what they do is they just go and interview people who are just low hanging fruit, people off the street who don't really know about Catholicism instead of the much better representatives. Um, so, yeah, it's easy to go and find a random person, you know, in these um, avenues that they're going down and, and then interview that person and say, uh, you know, you're so you're an ex-Catholic and then 
give them a couple things that you or, or ask them a few things about their time as a Catholic and then just play that clip. It's easy to do that. It's a lot harder to go and actually find somebody who is educated and knowledgeable at the, about the Catholic church, practicing their faith, and then have that person present a case for Catholicism and then go and respond to that. Yeah. I, I think we're starting with, um, actually, I, th I think we're just starting with where we left off around three minutes and, and 13 seconds. Uh, so we're just continuing with where we were. So here we go. The Bible is a Catholic. Not really. I went to uh, catechism and was trained by them and really wasn't, there wasn't the Bible. Do you remember the catechism? Um, so wait, I mean, we, we have Bibles <laughs> and you're supposed to read it and there's even indulgences for reading it. And so you're encouraged to read it. Why weren't you doing that? Why did you just merely go to catechism? Why weren't you cultivating your faith by daily scripture readings? And if you go to daily mass, you're going to hear the scripture being read daily as well. And if you listen during the liturgy, there's all kinds of references to scripture. So what about that? To me, it yeah. just sounds like this was a person who didn't practice their faith as a former Catholic. No wonder you left. It's, it's obviously why you left. Of course you left. You weren't practicing the faith to begin with. 100%. And I see that all the time. I say 99% of people who leave the faith had no idea what they believed before they left. And then they go get educated about Catholicism from non-Catholics who also don't understand Catholicism. And that's a huge problem. I mean... Uh, religious education. And I was a DRE. I had 1,200 students, 100 teachers. I chose the programs. And I know that all of those books had uh, Bible teachings in them, Bible stories in them. Many many uh, religious education programs use Bibles. They give the youth Bible. So maybe this lady's church didn't have it, but that doesn't mean the Catholic church doesn't teach um, the Bible. And I would say I, I even went to uh, church today, in fact, right before this show, and we heard three readings from Scripture, the Old Testament, the Psalms, and then the New Testament. So, you know, I heard Scripture. I was fed with Scripture. And as far as the catechism, she only had the catechism. The catechism uses the Bible. It its teachings come from the Bible. And in fact, the catechism has up to 25 quotes per page of the Bible, literally. I mean, I've never seen a Protestant book in my life, and I have a lot of them. None of them quote the Bible 25 times a page, but the catechism actually does. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, again, there were, there were plenty of opportunities for her to be fed by scripture. And it just sounds to me like she wasn't availing herself of those opportunities. All Pray right. for her um, people. Indeed. Uh, let's continue uh, around three minutes and 23 seconds to roughly around the 524 minute mark. Catechism, the Ten Commandments? Yes. The Catholic Catechism actually skips over the Second Commandment. They took it out and they divided the Tenth. The second <laughs> commandment, if you look at Exodus 20, first is, I am the Lord your God, and you should have no other gods before me. The second is, you should not make yourself a graven image of any likeness anything on the earth, under the earth, or in heaven, or in the sea, you shall not bow down to them. That one's disappeared from the Catholic Catechism, and they split the tenth, so there's still ten in there. So when I ask a Catholic, what's the second commandment? They say, oh, you shall not take God's name in vain, which is the third, because they don't know the second is missing. Here is comedian George Carlin saying that he was...
was raised in Irish. Let, let's maybe pause there. Um, sure. Wow. Um, it's interesting they reference the catechism because the catechism discusses this issue itself. I don't know if you have the catechism pulled up there, but it talks about how that even though we have the very same scripture from the book of Exodus that they have, and also Deuteronomy that reiterates the Ten Commandments, we have those in our canon of scripture. Um, it notes that there were different ways traditionally of numbering the Ten Commandments. And what it is, is we're going with one of the ways that you see Augustine using. They're going with a different way. Um, so that's what it is. It's not that we're taking anything out of Scripture or taking anything out of the Ten Commandments. That's nonsense. And again, <laughs> a five-minute <sighs> Google search would have Seriously. dispelled this ignorance. It's right there in the catechism. What are your thoughts? Can I, I want to um, share my screen for a second, if you don't mind. All right. Go um, ahead. Let's see. Yes, share screen. Can you see that? The, uh, mm. the Bible. Yep. Now look at here, people look in verse three, you shall have no false gods before me. You shall not make any, uh, yourself a carved image. So that's like a statue. So he's saying, look, verse three is one commandment and verse four is another commandment. <laughs> oh, I, I, I feel like I should be lecturing a child with this, but you know, like the, the Bible did not have chapters and verses like, right. Doesn't everybody know that they weren't invented for centuries and centuries? So it was one long block paragraph um, that <laughs> that you there was no separation, and it was left up to the individual to figure out how to separate it. So you just have a long explanation with no separations. But they think, oh well, it's separated in my English Bible, so therefore you Catholics don't know what you're talking about. When in the reality, Jews, Catholics, and Protestants. We all have the same Ten Commandments, but we all number them differently. And something I find interesting is that, you know, they don't realize that Jews and Catholics agree on the numbering of the First Commandment. See, we say the First Commandment is don't have any false gods. Now, you don't go say, oh, well, don't also have idols because that's no false gods. That's part of the first commandment of not worshiping false. It's literally the same thing. And uh, the Jews agree. They have that combined in their 10 commandments and they have the coveted one separated in their 10 commandments as well. So Christians all the way back to Augustine for a thousand years used the same 10 commandments that Catholics use today. And it wasn't until the Protestants changed that, that I mean, we're accused of changing the commandments, but they're actually the ones who separated it in a different manner than was traditionally used by Christians. Here's what the Catechism says in paragraph 2066. The division and numbering of the commandments have varied in course of the course of history. The present Catechism follows the division of commandments established by St. Augustine, which has become traditional in the Catholic Church. It is also that of the Lutheran confessions. I guess the Lutherans <gasps> are just taking things out of, of the Bible, too. The Greek that. fathers worked out a slightly different division, which is found in the Orthodox churches and Reformed communities. And so... All right. Well, um, not not to mention the fact that we have, again, the Orthodox or Byzantine tradition in communion with the Catholic Church and the Eastern Catholic uh, tradition. So you, you have that feature there in Catholicism as well. So one, once again, it's just ignorant, uh, ignorance on his part. It has nothing to do with icon so venerations bad. or something like that, which, again, 
in the Old Testament, it's condemning um, veneration of pagan deities by an image. Yeah, of course that's condemned. And we don't do that. We don't venerate pagan deities by an image. We venerate the saints, the Virgin Mary, by an image, but that's not at the same thing as what is being condemned in the Old Testament. But of course, there would have to be a longer um, longer discussion here, giving an apologetic for the veneration of icons and things like that of, of, of saints. Which we could maybe do in a minute because he's about to, I think, show some of that. Okay, let's go ahead and continue. Catholic. I used to be Irish Catholic, now I'm an American. You know, you grow. <laughs> Listen closely as he mentions the sixth commandment, thou shalt not kill, believing erroneously that it's the fifth commandment, clearly taking that belief from the Roman Catholic Catechism. And the one we haven't talked about yet, thou shalt not kill, murder, the fifth commandment. When this woman said that she was a Roman Catholic and that she was into the occult, someone left this comment. That one lady who was a Wiccan is not a Roman Catholic at all. And these should be the actual Ten Commandments. And then she quoted them, clearly taken directly from the Roman Catholic Catechism. I am the Lord your God. You shall have no strange gods before me. That's the first of the Ten Commandments. Wait, why is he quoting someone in the comment section? Why not just go to the catechism itself, which explains this whole thing <laughs> to you? Why are we substantiating points from comments in a comment box? Wow. But then she misses out the Second Commandment, the one that forbids the bowing down to images and goes straight to the Third Commandment about taking God's name in vain. That's because the Second Commandment has been removed and the Tenth split in two so that no one would notice it had been removed. So, hold on a sec. So he says that, so um, they split the ninth and the tenth so that no one would notice it was removed, as if it was like this sinister plot, like the Da Vinci Code, you know? <laughs> when you know, when Vinci, was this? When did we do that? That's a I, good I question. want names and dates and Di times and places. I want to know, when was this conspiracy, you know, actually done? Yeah, it clearly wasn't. I mean, obviously, I'm asking rhetorically, right? I mean, this never happened. But if you were to press somebody like that, they wouldn't be able to give you an answer. No. And again, the very catechism that he's referencing, instead of going to the catechism and instead sharing a comment in a Facebook <laughs> comment section, I don't know, or a YouTube comment section, instead of going to the catechism, he shares that. Why not just go to the catechism that tells you why there is a different list? Of the Ten Commandments. Again, this has nothing to do with the veneration of images. Um, moreover, again, we can say what is being condemned there, um, as far as bowing down to images, is still is still applicable. You're not to bow down and worship any image. That's number one. Um, and then number two, again, the context was for. Um, especially pagan deities, but we could apply the same thing to God. I mean, don't make any images of God himself. We could also say that there's an application to that in, in the Ten Commandments too. Sure, but the thing is we don't worship the image. Um, what we say is that we worship God. So if we, if we see like maybe um, we see an icon of Jesus or something like that, right? And we, and we venerate it. We're actually worshiping Christ, 
but it is through the image. It's, it's not like the image is the object of that worship, um, of that latria. It's actually the prototype, Jesus himself, who is the um, object of that worship. Right. I always give the example of uh, my friend's father died and I couldn't find him. And then when I found him, he was in a chapel with his dad's picture and he was hugging the picture and he was kissing the picture. And I immediately told him to stop worshiping his father. And uh, I'm just kidding. But uh, he was there kissing his dad and he wasn't actually kissing his father, nor did he think he was. He was it was a symbolic representation of the person it represented because he can't actually hug the person in real life so he's hugging the person as a symbol so you know really statues are just symbolic representations of the people they represent we don't pray to them they can't hear us i i don't know if ray uh knows this or not but they're made out of plaster and marble and stone and they can't actually hear this and we know that we know that ray and they're just symbolic representations they don't act we don't pray to them in fact the catholic church mm -hmm. condemns bowing down to them and praying to them and worshiping because obviously that would be like pagan idolatry and we don't do that and if anyone does do that that, they're going against their own church and the Bible. Yeah. So, I mean, even if you point to somebody who abuses this, I mean, it would be just that. It wouldn't be the proper use. Um, it would be an abuse. And we would all rightly say, hey, that that's something that should be condemned. There would be a catechesis problem. They would just need to mm -hmm. learn their faith more. It's kind of like Jehovah's Witnesses mutilate the Holy Scriptures, don't they? I mean, they they do injustice to the Word of God, but the Bible is not the problem. It's that they need to be more catechized. They need to learn about the Bible more because they're using it in the wrong way. So even if someone does worship a statue when they're not supposed to, the problem is not the statue itself, but their education and their understanding or failure to understand what the church believes. Moreover, again, notice he has... Roman Rite Catholicism in mind. In the Eastern tradition, we generally don't have, generally, not always, but generally don't have actual 3D statues. It tends to be icons. But I guess his arguments would, you know, he would just say, well, the same arguments that I'm using here would apply to icons. But I do want to make that distinction. All right, let's go ahead and play. There it is again. Whenever he is before an image of the Virgin, he always devotes affectionate glances. And before the image of Fatima, he asked for the care of the poor and those excluded in the beginning of his pontificate. Again, um, any kind of latria or worship to God through an icon is to God himself. The object of that worship is not the image right it's it's to god himself the prototype of the uh, type of the image and with the saints we don't worship them we give dulia um so that's going to be veneration it's not worship and again the object of the veneration is the saint themselves not the image or the icon um no discussion of that just 
just completely misses it just goes straight for oh look these are idolaters and it simply does not do justice to the catholic claims um, and it's all because he, yeah yeah sorry uh, no, i was just gonna say that it uh it's all because he looks down at the page of the bible and says have no images make yourself yeah. no images yeah. better go burn all your money ray because right. all your money has images on it i mean if you're going to be that strict about it then you know lots of places have images even protestant churches have statues during christmas time when they have the creches and the manger scenes and such but they're not worshiping them they're symbolic of the story it represents and um I, just in general, I mean, God, if, if we can't have any statues because all statues, just having a statue is worship, there weren't big trouble because in Exodus 25, just five chapters after the prohibition not to have statues, God had two huge statues made, which were two cherubim on the Ark of the Covenant. We also know that there was a graven image made in Numbers 21. The first book of Kings has dozens and probably hundreds of graven images made in the temple of God, both of things in heaven and on earth, because these things were not bad and were not wrong. The prohibition was not to don't make statues. That was not the prohibition. The prohibition was to not make idols and bow down and worship them, just as the Jews were and the pagans were doing all around them. They were worshiping these false idols, and the Jews kept falling into that idolatry and worshiping their false gods, and that was what's being condemned. You know, Scripture actually says in the Old Testament, worship at his footstool, which is effectively the Ark of the Covenant and the, the mercy seat there uh, in the temple. So you, you could even have, you even have, Old Testament precedent for um, these external um, manners of veneration in front of something physical, in front mm -hmm. of an actual statue. So you you do have that as well. And um, let's just, if I mm -hmm. could jump on that for one second, just yeah. imagine someone bowing down before the Ark of the Covenant. Mm -hmm. you know, and just worshiping God. What would a Catholic mm -hmm. say? He would probably yeah. fall down next to him and start worshiping. What would a Protestant mm -hmm. say? Oh, how dare you worship those two angels? Mm -hmm. Get off your knees, you mm -hmm. know, worship the living God alone who's in heaven. You know, yeah. like, we understand right. that they're not bowing before the angels, even if it looks like that. They're worshiping right. God. Right. Yeah. But again, no, no distinctions, no nuance, just goes for the slam dunk. Okay. Let's... Uh, <laughs> So <laughs> let's continue here. Um, I think that was actually the end of that one. Um, I think I there was a 1239 to 1317. 1239 was a big one. To win? 1239 to 1317. Okay. I think that's the last one. Making sense? Making sense. And you're going to think about this. I will. Can I give you a book I've written? Yes, let's do it. <laughs> People say to me, if you could speak to the Catholic Church or talk with the Pope, what would you say? And I'd say, let me on your balcony for 10 minutes. Let me preach the gospel to the crowds because you never hear them say you must be born again, as Jesus said. Never hear them open the word. And, and I'm not anti-Catholic. I love Roman Catholics and I want to see them in heaven. Catholicism says that the Roman Catholic Church is the only means of salvation. You have to go through the Catholic Church. But the Bible says God's far bigger than that. Whosoever will may come. And when you trust in Jesus, you're saved, not by works but by grace and that's the message we say to catholics hey you don't have to earn salvation you just trust in jesus it's that simple a child can do it well great
Wow. <laughs> so um, many problems with that one statement. Yeah. How, how can you butcher um, so many things so quickly? Wow. <laughs> That's um, so true. <laughs> no, I mean, of course, the idea of no out salvation, no salvation outside the Catholic Church. That doesn't mean that God can't save people outside the formal bounds of the Catholic Church, the visible structure. He most certainly can. Um, what we're saying when we say there's no salvation outside the church is that there's no salvation outside of the body of Christ. And that should be evident according to the New Testament. That's certainly clear in the New Testament. There's no salvation outside the body of Christ. Um, yes, we're identifying the Catholic Church with the body of Christ, but we recognize that a person can be part of that body um, informally. Right, even though they haven't formally become a member of the Catholic Church, they could informally be a member of it, and and therefore we we recognize that God could save a person, even though they haven't. They're they're not a card carrying Catholic, if if you will. Um, but but that's that's referring to possibilities. It doesn't necessarily mean that uh, that person who is a non Catholic automatically will be saved. I mean. Uh, there, there's a whole longer discussion there, but he just throws it out as if it's just this idea that unless you're a Catholic, you're going to hell. And of course, that's not the case. Um, but then this idea that, um, you know, you work for salvation. Oh, where do we begin? Um, I have a lot to say on that one. So let me let me let you take a stab at it. Um, and then I'll just have <laughs> some follow up thoughts because we could be here for hours if I go off on this. And one. again, this is oh, I could go off on any one of these and it's tempting <laughs> to. Um, yeah. but these are all fifth grader things. Fifth graders right. could know more. You know, it's it's really frustrating. Um, so I would say that he wanted to go on the balcony for 10 minutes so he could preach the gospel to the poor Catholics up there because he never has heard the Pope, he well, he didn't say that, he didn't say, he just said the Pope never preaches about being born again, and he never preaches about Christ. Really? When was the last time you went to a general audience, you know, seriously? Like, when was the last time you've read one, listened to one, anything? I bet the same amount of times you've gone in the catechism and actually read it for yourself, which is not any time at all. And that's why you don't know the catechism, and that's why you don't know anything about the Catholic Church or the Pope. And you really should be ashamed of yourself, uh, Mr. Comp. For, for the lack of research you've done, the shabby, shoddy, intellectual research you've done. It's terrible, and it's you should be embarrassed by it. Um, I would just add to that that if he actually did research— it takes a two-minute Google search, you know, to show mm -hmm. that Pope Francis, Pope John Paul, the popes have spoken on being born again on their Wednesday audiences from that balcony. They've also uh, shared about Jesus Christ being the way, the truth, and the life, the way to salvation. Uh, and if you don't mind, I'm going to share a screen just so your audience can see that, you know, I'm not making this up. Um, this is one uh, audience right here, Wednesday audience, and... It might be a little small, but all of those red things you see, those are all Bible quotes. And I think there's 17 of them, meaning the Pope preached from the Bible about Jesus Christ, um, you know, and about his love and that sort of thing. And there's even a, another one on uh, uh, where Pope Francis talks about how Jesus is the way to salvation. He actually says faith in Jesus Christ justifies us. He said that from the balcony in his Wednesday audience. So that whatever Ray Comfort said the Pope doesn't do, he did. So mm -hmm. <laughs> it's literally the opposite of what he said. It's really mm, sad that he doesn't know 
anything about the Catholic Church, but is making all of these slanderous claims about it nonetheless. Yeah, he speaks about, you know, you, you don't have to work for your salvation. We agree. Um, I mean, and he gets that, of course, from Paul in the, the New Testament of the book of Romans, chapter three and chapter four, especially. We agree with that. What chapter three and chapter four is about is that you can't merit initial justification, that initial moment where you go from being damned to being saved, if you want to just put it that way, loosely speaking. Um, yeah, we, we don't merit that. That's entirely by grace. And we could even say faith alone, as long as we understand faith to be informed by charity, uh, as Benedict noted, uh, Benedict the Sixteenth. It it we we can speak of a, even a faith alone here. So it's entirely unmerited. We don't work for that. So what he's trying to guard against, we're not guilty of, and we share that same concern. And we would say, yeah, we're not Pelagians. Uh, welcome, welcome to the party. We haven't been Pelagians since day one. Thank you for joining us, <laughs> We agree with you. We're the uh, ones nobody, who condemn them. <laughs> nobody merits the initial moment of justification. We're not Protestants, and we're, I'm, I'm sorry, Pelagians, and we're not semi-Pelagians either. Both of those are condemned at the Council of Trent. So where they get confused is when we speak of merit, and that's, of course, in relation to post-initial justification. And that's where they get confused because they don't make those kinds of distinctions. But those distinctions are biblical. We'd be here for hours drawing out those distinctions in Scripture and, and talking about this in depth and explaining what the Council of Trent is getting at. But a lot of this is misunderstandings on their part. And I would like to see them do more research into the Catholic Church in its understanding of justification before trying to pull this card and saying, oh, you guys just, you know, are just trying to work for your salvation, but it's really by faith. And to me, this is preschool kind of discussions, elementary level. It's, it's incredibly low-hanging fruit. This is the worst critique you can offer against Catholicism. Anybody who makes that critique is immediately conspicuous for being a person who does not know what they're talking about, hasn't bothered looking into Catholicism. I've been there. I've been there. I've, I've been where I used to think the same thing that Ray Comfort thinks, and I've made the same arguments that he's made against Catholicism, and they're shallow and they're uninformed. Simple yeah. as that. And I, uh, you remember that, uh, that girl earlier in the video who was the Wiccan, <clears throat> you mm -hmm. know, and I, I let him have it for that video, man. I just pulled off the gloves for that one. Cause he was, you know, touting her, Oh, listen to what the Catholic church teaches. Oh, listen to what a Catholic believes. I was like, you have to be the lowest of the low Ray to use her as a representative of Catholicism, where she said herself that she believed like Jesus. So he was like, who is Jesus Christ? And she mentioned this person I'd never even heard of. I'm like, what are you, where did you get that? And then another time she's like St. Anthony. I'm like, like it didn't make any sense. Like the girl wasn't even in her right mind. And he's like, this is Catholicism people. So, you know, it's just a hundred percent dishonest. And if he's going around talking to these people who don't practice Catholicism, who don't believe in God, they're not even sure if God exists. Some of them have admitted, I don't even know if there's a heaven. I don't even know if there's an afterlife. So we're talking about people who don't even know if God exists and he's upholding them as model Catholics. And, you know, the problem with that is a lot of these people say, well, how do you get to heaven? Well, you know, I just hope I'm good enough. You know, I hope I'm good enough. So for hit from his end, I guess I can defend him a little bit. 
a lot of Catholics are uninformed of their faith, and that's been a problem in the Catholic Church, and we need to do a better job of catechizing Catholics, because a lot of Catholics do believe that they can just be good enough. And if he's coming across enough Catholics like that, then he might be led to believe that Catholics think they can work their way to salvation. But that only goes so far. That only goes as far as you keep you know, bringing up the lowest hanging fruit as the model Catholic. Yeah, I mean, none of these are actually educated in the Catholic faith, trained theologians. How, how come he doesn't go to those people and interview them? I, I'd like to see him do that with a Catholic apologist. I've that'd never a, seen one. That'd be a fun interview. <laughs> Richard Radio, he had, he had one guy who was actually giving him some answers pretty well, and he cut the guy off in about 12 seconds and then made a 25 minute video excoriating the guy who probably made some good points after that, but he just made fun of him the whole time. So I ended up calling uh, Mr. Friel out for that. I let him have it for that intellectual dishonesty as well. Well, I've, I've found Friel to be a person who's not willing to engage with Catholics who are informed. And, and that has been Friel's disposition for years. That's not just like a one-time thing. That's how he's been. Um, it's sad. You, you, you start getting into a real in-depth conversation with Friel. He shuts down, doesn't want to have the discussion, cuts it short. You guys don't believe in justification by faith alone. Boom, that's it. Goodbye doesn't want to talk anymore just shuts it down well that tells me that number one you're uncomfortable it sounds like you're uncomfortable yep. and i wonder why that is is there some insecurity with your position there i mean if there's some security you should be able to have this discussion um <clears throat> well he's we'll not open it. to the truth doesn't sound like it to me or at the very least goodwill discussions with people who this these this kind of argumentation won't work with it won't slide um doesn't want to have those discussions okay yeah um Sad. let me share my screen i think we have another video here tell me about this one catholicism and christianity the shocking <laughs> difference <laughs> the title alone we could just yeah <laughs> yeah let's let's start around the 10 second mark studying what uh, inspection. Come on, you you inspect rockets and spaceships and planes, is that right? Just an inspector. I just uh, inspect the program and uh, inspect the stuff. To make sure everything's going to work. So you must uh, have the meat upstairs. You must know what you're doing. Yeah, you got to know something. Do you think there's an afterlife? Mm, I hope so. You mean <laughs> heaven and hell? Well, that would be nice. Nice if there's a hell? Uh, if I didn't go there, yeah, it'd be nice. <laughs> well, hang okay, we're going to have an inspection. I'm going to be your inspector to see if you're going to make it to heaven. This is probably the most important inspection you'll ever have. You're a good person? Uh, I try to be. How many lies have you told in your life? Uh, I can't tell. You mean you've lost... You notice what he does with this stuff of are you a good person is he <clears throat> equivocates. He equivocates, yep. right? With the standard of being a good person you know, just strictly considered in the eyes of God versus how most people are using the terms. Now, yeah, sometimes he presses them further and then they do think that they're justified in the eyes of God. And yeah, that is a problem. We we do need to say, yeah, if any of these people think that they have merited goodness in the eyes of God, you know, then then there's an issue because nobody is is that. But a Catholic 
that's Catholicism 101. I mean, again, we're not Pelagians. So we all can see that nobody is justified in the eyes of God. Nobody can merit anything. Nobody can say, God, you owe me this, strictly speaking, right? There's no concept of strict merit. And any goodness that we have is by grace. And so, um, again, notice that he equivocates and then he plays on the ignorance of people. Oh, and I don't boy, it's even been know a, if we... I was well, just going to say, say need, oh, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, I was, I was going to say that it's been so long since I've heard him go through this routine and it's all just <laughs> bringing, bringing it back to memory, but go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I don't even know if we need to finish the video. I think it's like the same thing he always does. He finds a Catholic who doesn't even know if heaven's real. And he says the difference between Catholicism and Christianity, this guy doesn't even know if heaven's real. He doesn't even know if God exists. He doesn't even know if there's an afterlife. And he, he's saying this is Catholicism. But, but I guess that's the effect of Catholicism in his eyes. I guess, right? It's like literally, yeah, and that that's fair. It could be, but like... If he had done any research and if he was a man of any integrity, he would not stoop to these kind of levels when he knows he should. This is common sense. A Catholic doesn't know, even know if like heaven's real. Really? I don't go up to Protestants on the street who, you know, are, are doing, you know, stuff they shouldn't be and maybe sleeping mm -hmm. around and be like, hey, everyone, this is Protestantism. Look yeah. at Protestantism. Now let me show you real yeah. Christianity. I don't do that yeah. because I'm not that kind of a person. Let's listen to the rest. Count? Yeah. <laughs> if it's stolen something. Uh, no. That's not another one of those lies, is it? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you got me again. <laughs> okay, so you have stolen in your life. Have you ever used God's name in vain? I probably said OMG. Uh, Jesus said, if you look at a woman and lust for her, you commit adultery with her in your heart. Have you ever looked at a woman with lust? Yeah, I think so. You think so? Yeah, I know so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, your name's Javier? Uh, yes. Javier, I'm not judging you, but you've just told me that you're a lying, thieving, blasphemous, adulterate heart. You're not going to take off. You haven't passed inspection. You're not heading for heaven. So where do you, th you think you're going to go if you're guilty on Judgment Day of breaking com the commandments? You've, you've broken four. And every Catholic worth their salt can say... I cannot stand in front of God and claim that I am justified by my own merits. I cannot claim anything strictly in the eyes of God. I deserve hell. Every Catholic should be able to claim that. And yes, I know they're going to try to go to the catechism and some things that Trent says. And yet we can agree to what the catechism says and Trent says and still say this. And how is that? Why is that? Because we make distinctions and our... <laughs> Um, faith is a lot more complex than they realize and make it out to be. Um, and again, anybody who thinks that they're going to be justified in the eyes of God, strictly speaking, again, a Catholic can say, look, you will not be. You need Christ. You need grace. And you know, oh, sorry. Go ahead. You can finish no, it. go ahead. No, finish it. It's almost done. Oh, man, I guess it's going to be down the, down the tubes, as I say. Does it concern you <laughs> if you die today, you'd end up in hell? Yeah, that would not be good. That would not be good. <laughs> now tell me, what did God do so guilty sinners wouldn't have to end up in hell? Oh, he gave his life. Do you understand the legal implications of that? Mm, probably not entirely. Well, the Bible calls the Ten Commandments the moral law. You and I broke God's law. Jesus came and paid the fine. 
if you're in court and someone pays the fine, the judge can let you go. He can say, Harvey is guilty, but someone's paid his fine. He's out of here. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, God can freely forgive your sins. He can dismiss your case. He can commute your death sentence and let you legally live forever because of what Jesus did on the cross. Just before he died, he cried out, it is finished. In other words, the debt has been paid. That means you can have everlasting life as a free gift of God. You can escape God's just damnation for your sins because he's rich in mercy to all that call upon him, all because of the death and resurrection of the Savior. What you have to do is repent and trust in him. We, we can concede everything. It's all because of Christ, the death of resurrection, repentance and faith. We concede all of that, all of that. And yet we don't have the same message. Why is that? Why is it? Well, because he has a, you know, what's ironic, Michael, in all of this is that he's condemning Catholics for mm. not having the gospel. And, you know, it's the shocking difference between Catholicism and mm. Christianity. When, as an aside, Catholicism is Christianity. It's OG Christianity. It's original Christianity started by Christ. Just get that out of the way. But besides that, we need to understand that. Ray Comfort does not have the full gospel. He has a sliver of the gospel. Believe in Jesus and you can be saved. That's true. We agree. But that's not all there is, Mr. Comfort. And you don't understand the full gospel yourself. And yet you're pointing fingers to other people. And in fact, uh, he's only saying you basically just need to believe and that's all you need to do, really, because that's not what the New Testament says. The Bible says in Mark 16, 16, that you need to believe and be baptized. John 3, 5 says you must be born again. He thinks that's just accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, even though it doesn't say that. But it says you must be born of water in the Spirit, which also refers to baptism. And we see this in Romans 6, 1 through 11, where it says we, if we don't die with Christ, we will not live with him, but we are buried with him in death and can come to life with him again because of baptism. Romans, um, in fact, 1 Peter 3.21 says we are saved by baptism. Acts 2.38-39 through 39 says that unless you repent and uh, are baptized, you will not be saved. So all of these uh, passages he literally has to ignore to keep his simple Christianity. Simple Christianity is a false Christianity because, yeah, it's partially true. It has aspects of truth. We absolutely believe that someone needs to repent of their sins and have faith in Jesus. But that's not all there is. If they don't live out their faith, they don't follow the commandments, Matthew uh, 19, 16 through 22, 1 John 2, 3 through 4, and they don't live out that faith and love him and love others, they're not going to be saved even if they believe. Because belief in the Bible means following, being obedient, and being faithful to Christ. Here's the difference, as you note here, you know, just kind of going, building off what you're saying here. Here's the difference between us and him and his gospel. It's like this, a toy Tonka truck versus the actual real truck with all the mechanics in it, right? There's a likeness there. There's some truth in the toy version, but it's not even close to being the complete and real thing. And that's the difference between us. We can say... What you're saying, there's some truth to what you're saying, no doubt. But you're giving me the toy Tonka truck version of the gospel. I'm trying to give you the real full-blown nuts and bolts, the actual mechanics of the gospel. And to me, I don't even think he's prepared to even hear any of that, let alone understand it. I think it would take him a very long time to even get what we're saying. 
Um, but in order to even get what we're saying, you first have to be of goodwill and be prepared to hear the other side. And I just don't even get the impression he's he's willing to do that. Wow, that was um that was interesting. <laughs> <laughs> One way to put it, I guess. That was a really interesting critique of Catholicism. Um, I can't say that it's original. Um, no. What I everything that I've heard there from Comfort is the same old tired arguments that you get from evangelicals who know nothing about Catholicism. If for me, I feel like that's Jack Chick track you know refutations of maybe not that bad but it's good in there <laughs> it's, it's it's as low as you can get in my estimation i got lots of jack chick trash <laughs> oh boy <laughs> fun stuff <laughs> oh yes <laughs> are those ones that you just collected off the street or you ordered them oh oh i would never pay for these oh that's not that's, <laughs> not, true. that's not true i have paid for a few um more of the I have the magazines, which I can't reach right now, but uh, no, I got all of these off the street. This is like a piece of the amount I have. I have stacks of them, but uh, the ones on the death cookie, the Eucharist, um, the Papa, I'm going to actually be debunking all of these in the future at some point. Cause I did one video on Jack chick on our, our channel, but I want to debunk these like deeper. Cause they're, they're like the bottom of the barrel. It's hard to, it's hard to imagine that, people actually believe this stuff and yet i know they do because i used to and so um i know it's real i know they're you know this is actually something that people believe because like i said i've been there but once you get removed from that environment it just seems so foreign and so when i'm thrown back into having to listen to these kinds of videos it's just like i'm thrown back into that world and i'm just kind of wow it's like like you used to live like that yeah, it's 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 sad, but I mean, look, I kind of had an excuse, and my excuse was I was young, um, very brash, and very new to Christianity, so I did not have much formation. I, you know, I did not have much of an education in the faith. Um, so, you know, it's understandable when you're very new to the faith and you're young, you're going to make a lot of mistakes. But for somebody who's older, you know, Ray Comfort's age, by then you should be more seasoned and you should know better at that stage. You have a million followers, a million subscribers. Does he really? He does. You're going to have to answer to God for that on Judgment Day for just, you have a third grade education and yet you have a million followers. That just shows where our society's at. It's sad. He has a third grade education? No, I'm saying he's he, about it's equivalent to it. I mean, yeah, <laughs> of it comes across that way. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not even that to be. I'm gonna go make a video. Ray <laughs> Comfort has a third grade education. Don't believe him. <laughs> this will change your well, view of Ray Comfort. <laughs> anybody who is sincere, however, and really wants to hear what Catholicism has to offer, I think they could pretty quickly see through what people like Ray Comfort are offering. They should pretty easily be able to find um, where they're making serious blunders and mistakes. But that's half the battle. I honestly have found in my experience that many people are just not sincere in wanting to hear what the other side has to say. They've already judged them as the enemy, judged them as condemned, and they don't want to hear 
the other side. And if you read the book of Proverbs, that is foolish, right? I mean, you need to hear what the other side has to say. One man's argument is going to sound convincing until you have another man who comes and cross-examines him, as, as the book of Proverbs knows. Then it's like, hmm, well, wait, that wasn't as clear as I thought it was. That's the case here with Catholicism. And that's why I have like, literally, I have shelves and shelves and shelves of anti-Catholic pamphlets, arguments, booklets, whole books. I have the God, I have the Godfather of anti-Catholicism. I have all his books, which we're going to be debunking in the future too. And I've read both sides. I'm not afraid of the truth. If you have the truth, you're not going to be afraid of it. You're not going to be afraid to intellectually engage with someone about it because you should have the honesty to say, you know what? I'm just open to wherever the truth leads because I love Jesus Christ. He is the truth. And I want to go wherever that truth leads. But sadly, a lot of people really really aren't open to that truth. And I feel like Ray Comfort, he said that this is, you know, Catholicism versus Christianity, the shocking difference. You know what that is? That's just him trying to get his channel popular because there's no way he could say that this is a Catholic and that this is the difference between Catholicism and Christianity. That's just me trying to make my channel popular so I can get some more views and make some more money that I could be, you know, misjudging him, but that's what it seems like to me. He, he holds a Wicca, a Wiccan up as a good Catholic. That just seems like you're not being honest. Yeah, to me, I find it low class when you just start out with, I could say, or I don't talk about the fact that Catholics <laughs> believe this and Catholics believe, again, I don't talk about the fact that you're an adulterer and I don't talk about the fact that you use cocaine and, you know, I'm not going to mention the fact that, you know, the person that you're currently with isn't actually your wife and I'm not going to talk about these things, but, you know, <laughs> what? Is anybody buying this? That doesn't sound like good. Yeah, they are. That's what's sad. <laughs> but again, it's usually, I think the people who buy this are the people who don't have goodwill. They're lacking yeah. in goodwill. But I think sure. the people who um, have goodwill and are seeking and truly want to hear the other side, um, hopefully we've given them something to uh, work with and able, you know, maybe have brought that person to the position where they say, okay, maybe I need to look further into the Catholic church. And a good and place you know is, is to start with the catechism. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. I'm sure it's the same for your channel, but I know on our channel, Catholic truth, we have a ton almost weekly, sometimes multiple times a week. We have like people who were not Catholic, even were against the Catholic church now becoming Catholic. And they were thanking us because, you know, they're like, it's because of your channel that, you know, we learned all of this and that we've seen the truth. And, you know, we used to hate the Catholic church, but now we're coming into the Catholic church. It's a weird thing. But the thing I always tell them is thank you. Thank you for your intellectual honesty, that you go wherever the truth leads and that you are open to the Holy Spirit leading you and you're just in pigeonhole or something that's saying, oh, that's that. This is that. That's always going to be, you know, and you are open. Thank you for that. And that's, I think more people need that intellectual honesty. Brian, tell us where we can go to find out more about yourself and your channel. You can uh, find out about Catholic Truth on Catholic Truth, our YouTube channel. And um, you can check out our Catholic Truth podcast, uh, Catholic Truth social media. And uh, if you would like to see uh, me, Brian Mercier, what I do, you can check out our website at thecatholictruth.org. We have retreats, parish missions. Uh, we have apologetic seminars and a whole lot more. Excellent. Thank you so much for coming on and doing this and preparing the timestamps and all that. This was fun. We got to do it again. Absolutely. It was a blast. Thank you. 
Everybody hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. Hit that like button too. And also check me out, patreon.com forward slash reason and theology if you want to support me. See you later. God bless. Hey, RNT fans, just a quick word from our sponsor. Be sure to check out realestateforlife.org if you want to sell a home or buy a home and you want to use an agent who shares your perspective about the pro-life cause. Make sure to check them out, realestateforlife.org, to support the pro-life movement and your choice to sell or purchase a home.